Abroad Pod with James Davis. Hello, listener. Happy holidays, and thank you so much for joining us on the Teaching Abroad Pod, coming at you on December 29th. I'm your host, James Davis, and with me this week will be my co-host, Alex, from the Oxford Seminars Job Placement Service. Alex, happy holidays. How was it? Thanks, James. Happy holidays. Yeah, it was great. I see you've got your festive t-shirt on. Yes, I am representing. Uh, it is Chewbacca, not a giant animal, as my wife assumed. I'm sure that's what that was the top of your wish list for this Christmas. Yeah, I'm easily pleased by Star Wars nicknames. So uh, we're going to um, show our interview with Ethan Church today. Uh, He talks about all things Spain. Really looking forward to showing you all that. So before we do that, we're just going to have a quick word from our sponsor. With Oxford Seminars starting a new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 20 years and you could be next. Their comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas or even teach from the comfort of your own home, Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. You can call 1-800-779-1779 or visit OxfordSeminars.com today to find out more. And it is my great pleasure to welcome Ethan Church to the podcast. Ethan is joining us from the incredible city of Sevilla in Spain. Uh, Ethan completed the Oxford Seminars course back in 2016, and he's been teaching in Spain since 2018. Prior to that, he worked for a number of years in the US, both as an assistant teacher in the public school system and doing volunteer teaching and community reconstruction projects for some different organizations based out of Richmond, Virginia. Ethan minored in Spanish and participated in not just one, but two semesters abroad during his undergraduate degree. So he's the perfect person to talk to us about all things Spain. Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So you've been in Spain since uh, 2018. What's that been like? I'm very jealous. (laughs) Uh, It's been great. Um, Honestly, I came here on a whim. Yeah, I'd been traveling around for a few months in Costa Rica and Nicaragua, and I had uh, with the intention of working there. But the situations there are a little complicated for, for work. So um, uh, I had some friends who were living here in Sevilla, who um, from my hometown, actually. I asked them what was happening in Spain, and um, you know they had nothing but good things to say. So um, I came here originally for a year, and now I'm going on four years the classic line of every esl teacher ever (laughs) my one year becomes several but i can't blame you i can't blame you so you mentioned the uh, job situation was a bit tough in central america what's it like finding teaching jobs in spain so spain you know um um, it said that spain is a little behind um in terms of the level of english speakers here um, so I think in recent years, the Spanish government has tried to do a lot in, uh, in improving the situation. So from what I've seen, you know, there's uh, a lot of academies here, the majority of them being from, from the UK. Um, and, you know, a lot of these academies are, are small. And it's always, it seems like from my understanding, that's always been pretty easy to find work. Um, a lot of people here in Spain are eager and interested in trying to uh, improve their English and get certified. Um, Sevilla is a very 
popular tourist destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that kind of the focus of, of your teaching is, is helping people in, get into the tourism industry or help people become more employable in general? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, especially here in Sevilla. Sevilla is in Andalusia. A lot of people here are in tourism. Um, I can't remember. Maybe Spain's the second or like second most um, toured country in Europe behind France. I can't remember exactly, but tourism is a big uh, factor here. So a lot of people are, are in that sector. Um, in general, Andalusia is a little behind in terms of uh, the international um, working internationally. And a lot of people are trying to gain, again, certifications and get a, a higher level because it's starting to open up more to international companies, I think. Overall, what is it like just being in Sevilla as it is a, such a popular tourist destination? It's really easy. <laughs> when people ask me, that's the first word that comes to mind. For me, the reason I've stayed this long is the lifestyle. Um, it's just very easy. I, I would say transportation here is easy, um, convenient. Sevilla has maybe 700,000 people, I think. And that sounds big, but in reality, you look at you look at it from, you know, from an aerial view and it's not that big of a city. Yeah, people are nice. There's always something cultural. Um, there's always people just, you know, um, willing to willing to socialize. Yeah, just being here, people are very happy. Um, people are interested in, you know, their family. They're interested in their history here. So there's a lot of cultural things going on. One of the biggest problems here for me is that there's always something going on, which sounds great. But then you look at your bank account and you go, okay, that's, you know, <laughs> it's not sustainable. But um, it's economical. I mean, to live here is, um, it's a good place to live. Um terms of uh, uh, spending money and, um, and just having a social life in general. It must help as well that you speak Spanish. Yeah, I think, <laughs> so Andalusia is kind of famous or maybe infamous, however you want to put it, for having a really strong accent. I learned Spanish a little before. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I had a high level when I came here. It helps. It helped a little bit, but I mean, it was uh, definitely a, uh, a learning curve when I got here. Yeah. And like you, James mentioned, you did two um, <clears throat> semesters abroad mm-hmm. during college, and you also majored in anthropology, I think. So was this something like cultures and languages? Was it always something that was a passion of yours? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I was trying to figure out, especially professionally, trying to figure out what I could do to work um, in a way that uh, obviously, you know, is in line with my interests, but also kind of is coherent in terms of what I'm doing. Um, I really wanted to speak Spanish better. Uh, or uh, My level before was rough. You know, I had those experiences abroad and then I spent maybe three years without coming back, without really speaking much Spanish. Um, and um you know you lose that if you don't if you don't uh, if you don't use it so uh, when i came here it was uh, uh it was important for me to make sure that i i learned spanish but i learned it correctly and was able to use it those uh, semesters abroad were they were they in spain too no one of them was in mexico um i did one in mexico in cuernavaca um it's like a town a little south of uh, um, mexico city um, and then I came back 
and I kind of was hooked and said, okay, I'm going somewhere else. Really like uh, being outside and the outdoors. And so uh, I figured, okay, Chile is like an amazing place for that. So I went there and then um, I did, so yeah, two semesters, one in Mexico and then one in, in Chile. You're the but, second guest we've had on that's been to Chile. What was What was your time there like? You know, I'll fight for Chile to the end of my life. Chile was awesome. <laughs> That's what we wanted I, to hear. I didn't know anything about it really, um, except for through uh, football or soccer. And then I came back and was like, I would live here for, I would live here. Yeah. So you mentioned it, so I'm going to jump on it. Football, aka soccer. You've been, you've been in Mexico, you've been in Chile, now you've been in Spain for years. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is it now your number one sport? Yeah, well, I, I always was. I oh, always okay. played it growing up. But and that's that, you know, now that you say it, it probably factors into a lot of my interest in going to these countries. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think in all, all three of those countries, uh, football is life uh, for a lot of people. What's the atmosphere like in Sevilla right now? Because they're doing so well in La Liga. I think yeah. they're like second or something. So is there, is there a lot of excitement? Yeah, I mean, they have a pretty rich history. There's two teams here, actually. There's um, Sevilla and then there's Betis. Mm. Both teams have always been in the first league. Um, and both teams have, a, you know, a rich tradition. Yeah, the, you know, fans here. There's a rivalry, obviously, but it's not, I don't know, it's not as strong as you would you'd assume it is. But, um, yeah, football is definitely a huge part of culture here. Well, I didn't realize that Sevilla and Betis were in the same area because Betis doing really well as as well, I think. Yeah, I think historically they were good. Uh, and then recently, maybe they've fallen off a bit. So do you have an allegiance to a particular one or are you completely supporting a different team in La Liga? I guess I go for Betis, mm. strictly because of uh, the colors. <laughs> as ridiculous as that sounds. I just like the color scheme. I also get the feeling that maybe, maybe, I'm not, I'm still not really sure, but that Betis is kind of like the people's, the like working class team. Okay, yeah. well, um, go back to teaching for a minute. Uh, <laughs> I taught in Mexico for a few years, and one thing I noticed was uh, the students, uh, they claimed they were highly motivated, but in fact, they weren't super motivated in, in practice. Yeah. Uh, what's it like in Spain? Do you find your students are pretty motivated or not so much? So I've taught, yeah, I've probably taught in all capacities since I've, been here when I first came here I taught at a secondary school and then um, that experience was a little outside of the city in a small um, pueblo small town but it was a, you know it was a complicated area uh, it was very rural some of the nicest people I've ever met but obviously you know it, it differs you know opportunities are for them are, are different and so as a result they you know they have their motivations or um, they're focused on other things I think learning English for them wasn't really um something important uh and that's that's not for everyone obviously there but that was kind of the idea i I was uh, left with um and then the second year i worked in a primary school in the center uh an elementary school and that was much different and these are both these are all public schools um but there was much more organized in terms of uh, what i was doing in the program and a lot of kids had a lot more interest in learning english and a lot of them had good levels it just depends. I think English now is becoming more and more and more. Um, people are becoming more and more exposed to it. Motivation for it, I don't know. I think that comes just in general for studies, right? 
I guess you've spent some time in the US public school system too. Is there any parallels you can draw or is it just two totally different worlds? I mean, I yeah, teenagers are teenagers, right? I wasn't motivated at all. If, if I told myself, you know, 10 years ago that I'd be teaching English as, or a teacher, I would have laughed. Uh, but I think I can see a parallel in the sense of uh, that, you know, that was different because I worked in an ESL program in, um, in the United States. And those were with you know, immigrants and a lot of people who were in tough situations and children who had like a lot of pressure on them to, to, to you know, to learn English, to work, to succeed, you know, their families. So that was a little different. I think they, they had more, more motivation to learn. So you mentioned off the top that you really liked the lifestyle there. We can't talk about Spain without talking about food and drink. So what can you tell us about Sevilla in terms of eating and drinking? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if, you know, for people who are prospective teachers who people who want to come here, <laughs> yeah, eating, drinking here, if that's what you're into, then this is definitely the place to be. There's a famous or kind of a joke in Spain or right, Sevilla, at least, you know, if you don't know what to do, then open up a bar um, because it's there's a bar on every corner. It's kind of similar to France in that aspect as a cafe um, and they're all more or less good. <laughs> I swear they're all more or less very good. And then, like I said, everything is, you know, it's not expensive. I think there's a couple Michelin star restaurants around here. You can eat there. I mean, you're not, obviously it's not going to be a, a cheap dinner, but it's not going to be, it's something that I think even like, you know, uh, an English teacher could afford. So that's nice. Like I said, it's just, it's convenient. Prices aren't crazy like there would be some places. Are there any particular dishes that you've enjoyed or any? Have you, like... have you guys been to Spain? Yeah, but very much the typical English tourist <laughs> going to Mallorca or, you know, the yeah. Canary Islands. Well, I mean, you well, so you probably I've never been to those islands, actually. Um, but you so maybe you know better than me about um, seafood. I mean, seafood here mm. is great and it's very simple a lot of it's kind of it's kind of crazy how simple some of the dishes are here you know tapas are you look at a kitchen and i say kitchen with, you know because a lot of places don't really look like a kitchen you know a lot of these things are just very simple they're kind of already prepared and then they just you know heat it up or on the spot and it tastes amazing i don't know if you're coming to spain obviously seafood there is something called solomillo al whiskey is a famous tapa um, and it's like pork with a, you know, uh, a, uh, a garlic and whiskey mixture uh, sauce. And again, very simple and extremely good. Yeah. And most places sell more or less the same thing. There's, you know, obviously a variety, but then there's nothing ever like you'll see the same things everywhere. I actually had a very traumatic introduction to Spanish seafood. Uh, I loaded up my plate <laughs> with what I thought were onion rings as a young boy and it was fried calamari so yeah. i was too embarrassed to say anything so i just sat there and ate <laughs> so much fried calamari and yeah uh, but now i love that's it, like so. yeah that's a that's like a classic if you're drunk if you're drunk then eat this kind of meal yeah a lot of grease so it must be pretty hard to save money on a teacher's salary with all that amazing food and beverage to have uh is it just sort of up to you on how much you go out versus how much you save each month yeah um i mean and yeah to be completely honest um people have more money in the north than they do in the south so where i am you know salaries are lower 
um, prices are lower, cost of living is lower. But yeah, I think you can save money here. You're not going to save a lot, but you know you can live comfortably. I would say I know a lot of people who who work as English teachers here and they make more money than other people who have full time jobs. I mean. There's a struggle. If you're coming to Spain, I think, you know, to, to, to save money up to buy a house, then maybe you should think twice on that. But there's also a lot of opportunities. So you can work, you know, you can always transition to a, um, from an academy is what I'm talking about. You can always transition to, you know, maybe a private school. Um, there's obviously implications with the visa, but people coming from maybe, you know, Ireland or UK or wherever. But like I said, you know, Spain's pretty um, eager to, uh, to hire English speakers. It's also a great place to travel. Have you done a lot of traveling? Yeah, um, I, w- I was doing some traveling. However, something called COVID happened. So yeah, yeah that threw a wrench. Um, in Spain, uh, I had a very, very, very strong uh, reaction, uh, lockdown. So we were actually in our apartments for two months um, <laughs> and we couldn't leave except wow. for essentials. And that kind of carried through to um, restrictions to leaving like your your province, the city. But yeah, before that, I was traveling a lot. I think, again, it's easy. Flights in Spain, for example, I have Sevilla's maybe five hours driving to Madrid. And a flight from Sevilla to Madrid is maybe round trip. Sometimes you could find a flight for 50 or $60. And there's, there's buses, there's trains. So it's pretty affordable. I think a lot of people come here from other countries and... Uh, you know, if you're able to go anywhere and everywhere, it's not a, it's not a difficult process. Uh, and so what's the situation like there now in terms of like, are there live football matches you can go see? Are people doing those kinds of activities again? Yeah, um, luckily, um, you know, Spain and as well as Portugal, I think Portugal maybe is number one in terms of vaccination rate in the in Europe, or at least the European Union. And Spain is second, the last time I checked. So, and that's like something, something like 80% of people, maybe more. Um, so everything for the last, I would say six months has been more, no longer since the beginning of the year has more or less been open, but you know, masks in inside of stores is required. Uh, I've seen football games with football matches where, you know, the stadium's more or less full. Um, there's probably some restrictions in that aspect, but I think more or less. Yeah. So now that it's opening up again, do you have any plans for your for the future? Are you going to stay in Spain longer? Are you going to jet off somewhere else? Um, yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, I don't know. I think, um, like I said before, it, you know, it can be kind of difficult to save money here, but I also love it here. So it's, I'm in kind of a, a limbo state. But I'm thinking about maybe going talk. I thought a little bit about going to Chile again, and then we were talking again about maybe going or uh, talking about South Korea. Those are places that interested me um, or maybe somewhere else in Spain. Like I said, you know, Spain's amazing. You can live um, well anywhere in the country. So I don't know. There's a lot of options. So um, before we let you go, Ethan, we do have the, the final big question that we like to ask all of our guests. Right. Um, you've got a few years under your belt now teaching overseas. So do you have any advice for someone who's, who's starting their journey or, or just thinking about even doing something like you've done? Yeah, um, <laughs> a lot of advice, maybe. Um, I think the first thing I would say is just, and people always say this, and it's hard to, to, to really know this. 
I think just be flexible in terms of yourself. I was lucky in the sense that I had traveled quite a bit and alone uh, before I came here. And I was um, lucky in the sense that I had friends living here. But even still, you know, the transition is, is difficult. And I was hard on myself a lot of times for not being able to, uh, to speak, you know, the language or to be with it a lot, you know, to understand how things function and how things operated. Um, in that regard, I would just, there's a lot of times when I sh- should have said to myself, you know, relax and just, it's, it's different. Just go with it. So in that aspect, just I would think for people to be flexible with themselves. Um, also, um, I would say, and this again is coming from my own experience, um, be be uh, realistic with your with your money. I think is another thing, and you know, make sure you research and have a good idea of how what things, the price of things. Uh, give yourself, you know, a, a plan. I think that's something that um, you know I didn't really do and I definitely would have benefited from it. <laughs> but, you know, teaching English could be, it depends on where you go. It could be profitable for you. Like we were saying, maybe South Korea, or it could be, you know, not so profitable. I think, you know, that's obviously a big part of it. The most important thing, though, is the, the experience um, culturally. That was my biggest motivation. So the money obviously was, you know, a motivation but you know i think for me the trade-off was the culture the cultural experience here there's a lot of advice to give uh i mean also just you know practice practice teaching english a bit that's something that i had some experience with but you know i was caught off guard by uh some of the the examinations people had to take uh, the processes um, I wasn't familiar with that. So maybe people are, you know, whatever country they're going to, they become a little more familiar with, you know, maybe something like Cambridge exams or Trinity or there's, you know, there's a lot of exams. So maybe become more familiar with what's happening or uh, what people are going for in those countries. Um, for me, that would have helped. Uh, so, yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Ethan, for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'd, love to catch up in the future wherever that may be right on thank you guys i appreciate the time um you guys have a good day you too thanks a lot take care and thanks so much again to ethan for taking the time to talk to us and uh alex before i wrap things up today do you have a jps update for us i don't have a jps update for us james but what what i i know shocking uh, but what I do have is a whole episode. So if you're if you want a JPS update, go back and listen to episode 18 of the podcast where we give our top eight uh, recommendations for destinations to teach in overseas for 2022. It's uh, chock a block with good information. So that's what we're going to leave you with on this end of 2021, and looking forward to uh, new opportunities for 2022. All right. I can live with that. I can live without the update, given the whole episode that you guys you. put together for us. So thanks again to Ethan. Thanks again to Alex. Uh, thank you, listener, for tuning in to the Teaching Abroad pod. We'll be releasing new episodes every other Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe and share it with your friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can find a good podcast. If you have any ideas for us, uh, anything you want to hear us talk about in an upcoming episode, 
leave them in the comments on YouTube. Um, send us a message at Oxford Seminars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or failing that, you can email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. Have a great rest of the year. See you soon.